following is a message from Living Waters Church in Elk River, Minnesota. For more information, visit livingwatersmn.org. Uh, just recently transitioned from kind of a focus on being filled and we had several weeks where we just felt like we were meant to continue to press into uh, coming off of uh, celebrating Pentecost so that's been a a while Um, coming off of celebrating Pentecost we wanted to lean into what it means to continually be filled and to kind of the, the word we used was to have perpetual Pentecost in our lives, to know what it looks like to continually wait on the promise of the Father, which is the Holy Spirit, to be able to walk in the things that he's called us to walk in. And so we've been focusing on that. We are stepping into kind of a new theme, but I really want to help us stay in that place of recognizing that we're, we haven't left being filled, <laughs> We don't, we don't leave that. The, the reason that we're stepping into being sent is because that is the natural progression from being filled. And we don't stop being filled when we get sent. And when, if we do that, we get really tired and really worn out and really religious. And we don't want to be sent in that way. We want to be sent from a place of being filled. And we want to be sent from an overflow. And so I want to encourage you Again, to remember the accessibility of the Holy Spirit in your life, day after day, hour by hour, minute by minute, that we want to continue to posture ourselves in a place of being filled by the Holy Spirit. And that, that is something that we can do. Do you know you can be filled by the Holy Spirit even when other people are around? Because, it, it, you know, you can do that. You can do it stealthily. And so I would encourage you just to work on what that looks like, not just for the sake of, oh, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on ministry team this week, or I'm volunteering for this or that, or I'm going on a mission trip, but for the day-to-day things of life that we would walk in a place of being filled. So we've been talking about being filled, and the reason that we kind of are moving into this place of being sent is because that is the progression, that is the biblical progression, the spiritual progression of being filled is that we would take what we're filled with, the Holy Spirit, and we would be sent out. We talked about in 2 Corinthians 2.14, um, <laughs> the message that has been affectionately termed the stink it up message, which was a word about how when we are in the presence of God, we begin to take on the fragrance of Christ. We begin to take on the fragrance. There's this this scent around us that can't quite be identified all the time. And at some point, somebody goes, ah, I think that's Jesus. And the reality in 2 Corinthians 2.14, that sometimes that smells really good to people and sometimes it doesn't smell so good to people. But that's what we're meant to smell like. And so we need to be careful not to go to spend all that time and then cover it up. Little Febreze over our... Never. never. We don't do Febreze at our house. Because um, we want to be so filled with the Spirit. 
but that, that there is a, a manifestation. That word, it says that uh, when we are in the presence of God, there is a fragrance that is dispersed or a fragrance that is revealed. And that word is actually manifesto or something like that. It has that word in it, manifesto, maybe not. That sounds a little more, I don't know, something else. But it's, it's the, the root word of manifest. And so we need to recognize when we are filled with the Spirit, I think sometimes we can think about and focus on the manifestations of the Spirit. And we think what those are is the way that our body responds or our emotions respond when the Holy Spirit touches us. That's not really the manifestation of the Spirit. The manifestation of the Spirit is what happens when that presence of the Lord in us begins to be dispersed throughout the atmosphere around us in our relationships. The manifestation of the Spirit, when, we, when we're looking for a move of the Holy Spirit, let us be careful that we're not looking for the way our body or our emotions respond to the Holy Spirit. We're looking for what the manifestation of the Spirit is, which is that we begin to manifest the love of God. We begin to manifest his goodness and his kindness, his mercy. We begin to manifest his wisdom. That other part is just the reality of how our, our bodies respond to the Holy Spirit. But there is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit that's meant to go outside of that moment. Amen? And so that's, that's what it is to be sent. The manifestation of being filled with the Holy Spirit is to go out in power and love. We get filled because we're being sent. And that's why we're focusing on that for the next few weeks. Pastor Bob launched us into the series with an awesome word just about the simplicity of the message we're sent with. How many of you know it's easy in this day and age to, what's the word? I want to say complexify, but that's not a word. Give me, give me another word. Complicate. There's, there's a, I didn't get a lot of sleep last night. There is a, there's a, a way that we sometimes complicate the message that we're sent with. Because we begin to think it's about all these other things. I get very concerned when we use the platform that we have as the body of Christ or as the church to bring any other message other than the message that he sent us with, which is the invitation to the good news, the invitation to be transformed by who Jesus is, what he's done for us, what he's made possible for us. And so he, he talked about the simplicity of that message. He also released us into a freedom. How many of you caught the freedom to carry that message uniquely? That it doesn't always have to look the same way. That it doesn't always have to look like a, a well-prepared... There's, there's a way that we carry that message uniquely, each of you. That's because there are people that could not hear the message from me, but they'll hear it from you because of where you've walked and who you are and the language you use. And so that was, if you didn't catch that, it was kind of a slim service last week. If you didn't hear that word, I'd encourage you to go online 
because it just really lays a foundation for the simplicity of the message that we're sent with. Today, uh, I'm going to go back. In the coming weeks, we do want to take an opportunity, because he talked a little about the uniqueness of, of how we each carry the message. The, another piece we're going to talk about, not today, is about the uniqueness of where we are sent to carry the message. And we want to, before this kind of focus is done, we want to make sure that we've had an opportunity to commission you and to send you into the place that God has uniquely gifted you to carry the message, into the places that he's sending you. And so throughout these weeks, consider, where is it that the Lord is sending me? Where have I been sent? Hint, it might be like where you are at. <laughs> if, if you haven't been sent to where you're at, I'm not sure why you're there. But there's, there's just a reality that, that he has sent you. He has placed you. He's ordained you into the, the place that you've been sent. And we're going to take an opportunity, I'm not sure what it's going to look like yet, to commission you in that, in that sending. Because I think it's important that we recognize the weight of that. We recognize the, the authority that's on us to carry the message where we've been sent. So today, I want to talk about how we are sent. But first, because I have to, I want to lay the groundwork that just establishes that we are sent. I know that we, it's a commonly uh, accepted concept in Christianity that we are sent ones. It's a commonly, commonly accepted concept that there's a great commission, but I think it's important for us to be reminded about what the word says and to actually look at the word. You know, there is a power in remembering the word. There's a power in speaking it out that gets released. And so I want to establish that we are sent. Every gospel, in fact, all of the four gospels, have a version of what we would title the Great Commission. Every gospel has a place where they're expressing this reality of us being sent. What's interesting is that they're all a little bit different. Oh, scandal. I think it's interesting to note they're not different in, in their core concept. They're different in the aspect that they focus on. And my guess is, is that there wasn't one time, we know that Jesus, after he was resurrected, he hung out off and on with the disciples, visited them, sometimes walked through walls, sometimes sat and ate fish by the fire. I'm not sure where he makes those decisions. But he, he hung out with them, he visited with them, and spoke more to them. And so I'm guessing there was not one time that he said, here's the Great Commission, but that he was speaking to them over and over about the reality of them being sent. And so I want to just really quickly look at those different places because I think he talked about it many different times. And he's speaking to the disciples. It's not like they attended different versions of the service. But it was a larger discussion than just the few sentences that are recorded, I think, in each gospel. So how many of you are disciples? Followers, 
imitators of Jesus, that would be, that's, that's how you check that box, that I've chosen to follow Jesus, that I'm imitating him. If you are not a disciple yet, thank you for being with us, and, and we appreciate the opportunity just to be able to share with you the faith and the testimony of Christ in our lives. But if you are a disciple, the reality is you are sent. So let's look at the account in Matthew 28 real quick. This is a fun study, by the way. You should, you should look more into this because you'll have more time than we have this morning. Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20. I think this is the one we're most aware of. It's most commonly used. Jesus came up and spoke to them. So this is after the resurrection, but before he ascended. Jesus came up and spoke to them. And he said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so in Matthew, just interesting to note, this is another reason why the accounts might be slightly different, is each of the Gospels were really written to different audiences. They were an account written to a, to a specific audience to remember the words and the deeds of Christ. And so Matthew's gospel, Matthew, who was a tax collector that was called to be a disciple, Matthew's gospel was written to Jewish believers. And so you will see in Matthew that he will talk about a lot of Jewish things, and he'll make a lot of Old Testament references without explaining them, because he's talking to people that would understand those references What's helpful for us to know is that that's written to people who understood an Old Testament scripture. And so we can read Matthew Jewishly and look at it and say, okay, this is who he was speaking to. But he's speaking to us as well as disciples when he says, Jesus said, I have all authority and therefore I'm sending you. So it's a type of... Um, Wow, vocabulary is going to be hard today. De not delegation, kind of like delegation. It's a word like delegation. We'll go with that. It's, it's him sending someone on his behalf under his authority. And so we recognize that one of the ways we are sent is with an authority. Now this word for authority that he used, all authority has been given to me, this word that he used is a specific type of authority that means delegated empowerment operating in a designated jurisdiction. Delegated empowerment operating in a designated jurisdiction. It means it is a, it's, a, it's an authority that's been given to him that now he is delegating to another to operate within a jurisdiction that he's given us. Well, what is the jurisdiction that he's given us in here? All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. What is our jurisdiction as believers? All nations. And so we are sent with an authority to bring the message of this, this one who's delegated it to us, to all nations. And so that's 
a lot of times what we pull out of this, we talk about the authority that we have because Jesus gave us authority. And so I think that's an important piece for us to understand that there is an authority. Let's look at the commission in Mark. Mark chapter 16. Mark is a shorter book. It's believed that one of the reasons Mark is shorter is because it was made to be able to be memorized. How many of you have memorized the entire book of Mark? I have not either. But it was partially so that the, the, because the writing was not always available, it was made so that somebody could easily memorize the book of Mark and then be able to repeat it to encourage other believers. And Mark was written to a non-Jewish audience. Mark was not a disciple, but Mark was buddies, they believe, with Peter. Peter, who was a disciple. And that much of Mark's account is coming kind of from the voice of Peter and from the perception of Peter. None of that part's important. I just think it's fun to know that as we're looking at these four different Gospels. So he was writing primarily to Romans, and the Romans specifically that were under persecution for turning to Christ. And so a lot of what Mark is talking about is about the suffering with Christ. He's talking about suffering and persecution and connecting that to who Jesus was. He, he talks a lot about the suffering of Jesus and our sharing in that. And so that's who he was writing to. Okay, so in Mark, the account says in chapter 16, verse 15, go into all the world... It says, you know, he appeared to the 11 and yada, yada. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved. He who has disbelieved shall be condemned. These signs will accompany those who have believed. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will pick up serpents. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. This is an important aspect of a way that we are sent. We are sent with signs. We are sent with signs following us, it says in another place, and also here. <laughs> and so it's important that we recognize that, that we are sent again into that same jurisdiction, all of the world, to preach the good news, which basically means to, a herald, to herald or announce the message publicly with conviction. We are sent with signs. That word signs means doing what mere men cannot take credit for. So again, we sometimes limit, when we say we're sent with a message that is followed by signs, we picture particular things. And the reality is we are sent with a message that along with that message comes things that no mere man can take credit for. How many of you have a life, a, tra a transformation in your life that no mere man can take credit for? We're sent with that as well as that the sick, we will lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. They'll cast out demons. Okay, let's look at Luke's account. We're not camping on any of these because I'm heading somewhere else, but I do want to look at all of them because I can't help myself. Chapter 24, verse 48. Luke 
is a non-Jewish writer. So both Matthew and Mark are Jewish men. Matthew written to Jews, Mark written to Romans. Luke is a non-Jewish writer who comes at his writing very logically and sequentially. Some of us love that. Probably they believe he was writing to Greeks. So also to Gentiles, also to those that don't have the background. In Mark, you'll see one of the reasons they believe that he was writing to non-Jews is because he would explain Jewish concepts. So he would talk about something that all Jews would know what it meant and then explain it. Isn't that interesting? Isn't God good to us? So Matthew or Luke is similar although he doesn't really reference a lot of the Old Testament scripture or some of those Jewish aspects. He references a lot of chronological things. He references a lot of history. Um, Where were we? 24, verse 48. He says, You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you. How many of you remember what the promise of the Father is? Holy Spirit. So he says, I'm sending forth the Holy Spirit, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And so Luke's is kind of a two-part to look at the commission of Jesus. We need to look both at that scripture, which says, you're, you're my witnesses. Behold, I'm sending the Holy Spirit, but stay in the city until you're clothed with power. And then Luke kind of picks up the story because Luke also wrote Acts. And let's look in the first chapter of Acts. Verse 4, I think we'll start with. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem. So I feel like Luke's kind of picking up the story again because he's sequential that way. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised which he said, you have heard of from me. For John baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it this time you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said, it's not for you to know the times or the epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. So this is another sending passage where he says, wait until you've been clothed with power because I want to send you as witnesses with power. That word for power is used like 120 times in the New Testament. And it means ability, applying the Lord's inherent ability or inherent power residing in things by the virtue of its nature. And he's saying, wait for that. Wait for that ability from me. We are sent with an ability. We're sent with an ability to be witnesses to who he is. And we're sent with an ability to walk in the power that comes alongside that. I find it interesting because Jesus says, I have all this authority... And they go, Lord, Lord, is it, is it now? Is it now that you are going to, you know, be ruler? And kind of what they mean is that we get to rule. <laughs> and he says, that's under the Father's own authority. This is what I've given you authority to do. Be my witnesses. 
And that's, that's what we are filled for, is so that we can step into that. And then we also get this piece that says to go into Jerusalem, which is where they are, Judea, Samaria, and all of the earth. And so that's where we see, as the church, that we have a mission to send locally wider, wider, wider. That we have a, we have a mission. Go, go, you're sent to where you're from, and you're also sent to where you're not from. And so I want to encourage us in that. That's why we think it's important to send teams <laughs> to other places. That's why it's important that we support missionaries that are uh, bringing the gospel to unreached people groups because it's part of the commission of the church to do those things. The one that I really want to focus on, I know, you're like, why were we doing all that? But the one I really want to focus on is the account in John's gospel. Let's look at chapter 20, verse 19. So this is still, all of these, by the way, all of these accounts of sending were after the resurrection and before he ascended and the Holy Spirit came. So it was in that time that he was hanging out with them. So in verse 19 of John 20, so when it was evening and on that day, the very first day of the week, yeah, I added very, (laughs) the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut, Where the disciples were, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst. That's where we got that he walked through walls. I'm not sure how that happened. The doors were shut. He came and stood in their midst. And he said to them, peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. The disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. I find this is, this is where I want to focus. As the Father has sent me, I send you. This is how clear, you know, when we say, how do we know that we've been sent? He's pretty clear here. <laughs> I'm sending you. What I find interesting is this, this word, sent, or send, that he's using, is a word, it's not just like to send on a little trip, or to say, okay, you can go now. It means, again, it's a very authoritative word. It means to send on a defined mission by a superior. It's the word that we get uh, apostle from, apostilio. And it's strongly, there's a strong connection between the sender and the one that's sent. The other uh, definition is to go to a place appointed by the sender. Now, this is an interesting thing, because, for example, when we send a mission team from Living Waters, they are first sent by the Lord. We believe that they're responding to the call of the Lord to go. 
But when we send a mission team uh, from Living Waters, they don't just like, get to go do whatever they want. We're sending them with a specific mission to a specific place. If, if, they, if we send them to Costa Rica and they come back with pictures from Barbados, we go, what's up with that? If we send them to uh, bring the good news and to encourage believers and to, to um, support missionaries and whatever, and they come back and all they did was go ziplining and eat in 15 different restaurants while they were gone. And we need to recognize we are sent in that same way. We are sent on a defined mission by a superior. By the way, our Costa Rica team did none of those things. <laughs> they did exactly what they were sent to do. But we are, we are sent on a mission. I think there are times when we feel that we have authority and we have this power and we have the Holy Spirit and we can go and do whatever we want to do with it. But we are sent on a defined mission by an authority. And so there is a place where we, yes, we have full access to all that God is and we can be filled but it is for a specific point. It is on behalf of the sender. And so he says, as the Father sent me, I send you. Well, how many of you read scripture and it just brings up more questions? That's an amazing aspect. You know what that is? That is the Holy Spirit saying, come deeper, know me more, see more of who I am. And so when I hear that, as the Father sent me, I am sending you, I go, how did the Father send Jesus? Because that's really going to be helpful for me if I'm sent in that same way. And so one of the ways, the first way we need to recognize, it's the most common scripture, we've probably all memorized it, John 3.16 for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him right now, I'm like, we've all memorized it, right? Whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. John 3.16. So God so loved the world that he sent Jesus. It was for the sake of love. That was the mission. It was on behalf of love that he sent Jesus. So we are sent on behalf of love. In John 3.17, it says, For God did not send the Son into the world. I love it when the words I'm preaching on are in the verses. It makes me so happy. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. That is our mission as well. We are not sent in any other way than that way for that purpose. We can't make the mission about anything else. I think one thing we sometimes think about is, yes, Lord, I will go out of my love for you. So uh, there are times when there's a lot of things because I really love him. 
And that, so there's things that I will do because I love him. But we aren't sent just because of our love for him. We are sent because of his love for them. And so I need to have love for them, which comes from me being in love with him. It's great. It works great. But we need to have that right in our minds that it was for the sake of love that he sent Jesus, not because he wanted to create hoops to jump through, but because he wanted to create accessibility to himself. That's our mission. Another way that he was sent was to show the Father because of that love. Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing. Other scripture talks about that he is the uh, visible representation of the invisible God. We are also sent to show the Father. Another way that he was sent was to appeal to others to be reconciled to God. The message of the kingdom was repent, turn to God. His appeal to them was be reconciled to God. Come into oneness again with God. Come into relationship again with God. That's, a, that's part of the message that we're sent with. Another definition of that word sent, apostilio, is to say through a messenger. There is a message that he's giving. Come and be reconciled to God, not to a list of rules, not to a bunch of form and ritual. The message is come and be reconciled to God. Come into right relationship with him and be transformed by his spirit and the rest of that will walk itself out. That's how we're sent. But primarily, and this is where we're going to land today, We need to recognize that the way that the Father sent Jesus and that he sent us is as a servant. In Philippians, it talks about how Jesus did not consider equality with God as something to be grasped. But laying that down, he took on the form of a man. He humbled himself. He submitted to the authority It says he emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant, and he became obedient even unto death. This is how we're sent. Not as much fun now, is it? But it is. There is something so amazing about putting ourselves in the center of God's will and becoming obedient to the sender. So he came as a servant, and he sends us as servants. We need to recognize in that verse, it talks about he came as a servant to God. If we don't have that in alignment, that our first service is to God, we are sent as servants first to him. If we have that out of alignment, and we begin to say, I'm, I'm sent as a servant to people. That's not, that doesn't become being sent. That becomes people-pleasing. And so we need to know that first. We're sent as a servant to God. I only do what I see the Father doing. I only say what I hear the Father saying. God, Father, are you sure? Not God, Father. <laughs> Father, Jesus said, are you sure this is the way? 
I know this is what we talked about. Okay, not my will, but yours be done. So his first service was to God. And that we need to recognize that. We have been sent by an authority, and that's who we take our orders from. There are times when we begin to step into serving. We go, yes, I'm here to serve people. We serve him first. <laughs> and then we serve people out of what he's doing in that. So then we look at, and this is in John as well, just a few chapters before he says, I send you as the Father sent me. In John chapter 13, verse 3, you, you'll know this story. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come forth from God and was going back to God, got up from supper and laid aside his garments and taking a towel, he girded himself. Then he poured water into the basin and he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel which he was girded with. <clears throat> Jesus knowing that the Father had put all things under his power. Another way that it's translated is Jesus knowing that the Father had given him authority over everything. Knowing that he had authority over everything. Knowing that he was the most powerful person in the room, in the city, in the entire region, in the world. <laughs> his First action, knowing that all authority was given to him, was he humbled himself and he washed their feet. And Jesus says, I am sending you the same way that the Father sent me. What do we do when we're the most powerful person in the room? Some of us are going, Has that ever happened? But we, we know that we're sent with power and with authority. What do we do with that? We have spent a lot of time as the church trying to get a hold of and understand and step into the power and authority we have. But there comes a time when we need to have a revelation of what it is we're meant to do with that power and that authority that we have been sent to serve. I send you the same way that the Father sent me. In Matthew 20, 28, it says, Just as the man, a son of man did not come to serve, no, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and he gave his life as a ransom for many. That word serve just means to wait on, to supply food and drink for to care for the needs of others in an active, practical way. The uh, word picture, because you know all Greek words have a word picture. It makes me very happy. The word picture of that word that he came to serve has to do with a cloud of dust being kicked up because someone is hastening to, to serve another. A cloud of dust being kicked up because they're running on their way to run an errand. There is an eagerness in that kind of serving. He served with a meekness 
Jesus, who had all authority, subjected himself for the sake of the mission that he was on. And again, this is where we have to have this in alignment. If we think for a minute that we can walk out the mission of God by serving people alone, we're going to mess that up. We have to come from this place and recognize, I've been sent by one who's given me a specific mission in a specific jurisdiction, and then I serve the people within that. Do you understand the distinction between that? So we have two different polar opposites of the way that the church can operate. And one is, we just have all of power and all authority, and we just think we can do whatever we want, and it's just for us, and it's whatever. And then we have this side over here where we go, yeah, but Jesus loved, and everything that we do, it has to be for people, and we just serve and serve and serve. But somewhere in the center of the will of God is this recognition, yes, we are sent with authority to serve. And it comes from knowing who we're sent by and knowing that's why it's so important to not just be filled with the Spirit. We do need to be filled with the Spirit. But how many of you, how many of you can ever be filled with the Spirit without hearing from the Spirit? <laughs> it doesn't happen very often. When we take that time and, and we let the Lord fill us, He begins to speak to us about what's on His heart and, and how He wants to move through us and it takes time and space to give him that. We're filled to be sent on his behalf, and we're sent as servants. Let's stand. As you consider this, I want you to consider who am I sent to serve, and what does serving them look like? Not in your own ideas. That's a place, again, to invite the Holy Spirit. Who am I sent to serve? And what does serving them look like? And it may not just be a singular answer, but it's tough to serve a whole lot of different people at one time. So maybe it's even a day-to-day -day question. Who am I sent to serve today? And what does serving them look like? Let's just invite the Lord to open our heart and our eyes to see in a new way where we've been sent. <clears throat> open our eyes, God, to see the ones that you've placed your love on, <laughs> that you have a desire to send with love and with the appeal and the message of reconciliation. Open our eyes. Bring people to our minds. Bring social settings to our mind. The gym, our schools, our jobs, our families, our, the grocery store, the clinic we go to. Bring those settings to our mind where you've sent us to serve. Bring places into our mind and bring a confidence that we have been sent into that place. Bring an unction of the Holy Spirit. We wait on you the way that you instructed them. 
You said, I'm sending you the way the Father sent me. And then you instructed them to wait and to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So God, we just purpose to continue to wait on you for the filling of the Holy Spirit and to step into that. We thank you that it is readily available to us. We ask for a fresh baptism of your presence that we would know that we know that you're with us and that you're sending us and that you're sending us as servants with authority. As servants with power and with love. Open our eyes, God. Give us a fresh revelation of this. God, I ask for a, a new era of experiencing the power and the presence of your spirit because we are sent. And God, I ask for the manifestation of the Holy Spirit <laughs> through your love and through people going boldly, stepping into the reality of serving with authority in the places where you've sent us. Amen. God, I ask that you would move our hearts for the lost, that we would no longer just go out of our love for you, but that out of our love for you would come a love for them. Amen. We look to you, God, to do the thing that we can't do. In your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To learn more about us, please visit livingwatersmn.org.